Hey everyone, welcome to episode 43 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as they usually are, are Andrew Brown and Ginny Wu. How have the past couple of weeks been for you guys? Uh, busy with non-Nintendo stuff, but I'm getting caught Traitor. up. Traitor! <laughs> uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So let's get straight on. We've got a bit of a packed episode for you, so... Uh, updates from the previous episode uh paladins battle pass i caved i think andrew did too uh so just going to spend a little time chatting about that so i have been working away at it a little bit every day i've been going up one level every day uh, and i think that's going to be enough to see me through to the end of the battle pass a couple of things i'm finding a little frustrating with it is that I'm often unlocking stuff for characters I don't own yet. It's a free-to-play game. Not all the characters are available to you straight away. You have to buy them by either earning in-game gold or spending real money on crystals for the premium currency. And yeah, it, it takes a little while for you to build up the gold to do so, but the Battle Pass seems to be aiding that. I've, I've bought around five or six characters so far, so I'm going okay. Uh, the thing i'm not liking is that a lot of the cool costumes are hidden behind loot chests uh they cost real world money uh for the crystals uh, and you only get like a one in 15 chance of getting one of the cool costumes the rest is emotes or graffiti sprays again for characters you don't own yet so i'm finding that a little gross uh but overall it's I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm probably not going to buy the next battle pass, uh, but I am determined to beat this one. Uh, yeah, so I'm just going to keep plugging away at it one, one every couple of nights. Uh, because of the character thing, I have been enjoying some of the other characters now. Uh, Janos, who uh, Andrew and I talked about in previous episode, was uh, the healer. Uh, I was expecting the healing or support classes to be more based on shooting your colleagues to keep them healed but I'm I'm delighted that it's not the case it does focus on shooting the enemy and the healing effects seem to be more situational or uh, location based so if you stood next to a, a, another colleague they'll be healing at the same time uh, yeah it's pretty good Andrew you I believe have quit Paladins now but you you still recommend it as a game for someone looking for that sort of experience yeah, Paladins is a great game, especially considering it's free-to-play. I think it stands up there in terms of, you know, technical interest and just the way everything all interacts together and the way all the moving parts interact with each other. It's up there with Overwatch, but just everything it asks of me to do, and I am a completionist if I, I'm given a checklist, I have to do everything on it, and Paladins gives you three new things to do every day, and all those three things just took too much time with everything else that I was trying to do as well. So I'd made the decision, especially with Warframe on the horizon, to just, just cut it out. And as to the battle pass, just looking at everything that I unlocked in Fortnite by tier 20 versus everything I unlocked in Paladins by tier 20, Paladins just kind of throws some stuff at you, like some loot boxes and some experience boosters and like a new mount that you get when you just pay for the battle pass, which is pretty cool. But Everything I got in Paladins by Tier 20 versus everything I got in Fortnite by Tier 20, as somebody who enjoys unlocking things, I felt Fortnite was giving me more value and more enjoyment at much less effort and much less time. So 
Fortnite just fit in with my scheduling more. But if you're looking for a technically competent and very interesting shooter, you know, obviously with the with the obvious downsides of, uh, you know, grouping up with random people, you're inevitably going to get in a group that just sucks because they can't shoot straight. But on a meta level, it's a very well put together game and it's free and it runs really well on Switch. So totally play it if that's the kind of thing you're looking for. Cool. Uh, I believe you had a bit of an update on Hand of Fate 2 as well. Yeah, Hand of Fate 2 I've been picking at over the past month or so. And the way the core game is set up outside of the Endless Mode is there are a bunch of challenges all based on the different tarot cards that are out there. And a couple of them are just way too hard for their own good. Like there's the challenge of strength, which happens about halfway through the game where you're reduced to 10 hit points at the very start of the scenario and the passive healing ability when you move between map squares is also removed. So basically you have to play the entire scenario and it's quite long perfectly. And you can't just skip a scenario. You have to complete all of them to get access to the later ones. And there's also the challenge of the star, which is the one I'm stuck on. I did manage to finish the strength one after like four hours of picking at it. Uh, The challenge of the star, I can get to the very end most of the time but the final battle is against a bunch of mage enemies one of them if i don't attack him constantly then he drains my life and then the other two can put an aoe effect on the ground and the guy who i'm supposed to be attacking constantly loves to stand in that aoe effect and i even when i get there with full life i still can't do it so it's too hard for me i'm not having fun so i've just i kind of quit playing which is disappointing with how much time i've put into it but that's just the way it is yeah there is uh jenny anything to add on that one uh not particularly just that i have been struggling well last time i picked it up i was still struggling with the strength challenge so I haven't had the chance to really go back and bang my head against the wall with it yet because I've just been too busy doing other things. But I think it's going to be a bit of a shame if I end up feeling the way that Andrew is feeling right now about it because I thought, you know, it was spectacular when I when I did play it. But as someone who is horrific RNG, um, I can see myself very quickly actually becoming that unlucky person um, that just can't get anything done right in the harder challenges. So... Um, I'm now slightly nervous for when I do revisit it, um, but hasn't I haven't really, I guess, had the same negative experience quite yet. Cool. Okay. And um, with that, let's move on to the latest Switch news. Doom! Doom Eternal is coming to Switch, uh, possibly the same day as the other versions. The tweet from Bethesda wasn't 100% clear, uh, but people are certainly taking it that way. I'm not so sure at this point, but I am more than happy for the sequel to one of my favorite shooters ever to come out on Switch. With the way people were reacting to the announcement, I think they would have shot it down if it wasn't coming day and date with the other titles. So I suspect you're right, but you never know. And it leaves them open if there's any technical issues. We can't pre-order it yet on Switch, so... And it might be a Dark Souls situation where it's supposed to come out and then it just disappears. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess they can't rule that out, but uh, Panic Button are well-versed at this at this stage, so uh, I presume it could make it. I really hope so, because that would be such a big coup for the Switch. Uh, and I'd buy it twice, so <laughs> let's see how that goes. 
Uh, and the really big news uh, this week was, of course, that Nintendo dropped a Direct for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. There is so much information that came from this. They said not to expect new fighters. They gave us new fighters. Uh, Simon and Richter Belmont from the Castlevania series, which is interesting considering that Konami are doing nothing with that license except, you know. Or it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, well, they're allowing uh, animes to be made. Maybe they're gearing up for another one. Oh, yeah. Mm. New pachinko machine. I know I'm pre-ordering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've also got King K. Rule from the Donkey Kong Country series. We've got new Echo Fighters, Chrom, Dark Samus. Heaps of new assist trophies, such as Grey Fox from Metal Gear, the Moon from Majora's Mask. But more pertinent to Andrew's prediction from last week, we've got Rathalos from Monster Hunter. There's new stages. There's a Dracula stage from Castlevania. New Donk City Hall, which has Pauline and her band playing Jump Up Superstar in the background. In fact, there are going to be 103 stages in total, uh, with some sort of morph option where they can turn into each other. There are new items, including heaps of new Pokemon. Music tracks. The Castlevania stage has 34 music tracks alone. All the music tracks from the series are going to be available. There are going to be over 800 songs in total. That's over 28 hours of music. Uh, you can sort them into playlists, and it's going to be playable when the screen is off, turning your Switch into some sort of primitive iPad just that just plays Smash music. Yeah, they're going to have their minds blown when they find out what an MP3 player is. <laughs> <laughs> There's new rule sets, heaps of new things. They've reordered the way that you select criteria so it's now rules stage then the characters there's new modes there's sudden death there's squad strike which is 5v5 or 3v3 there's a tawny mode for up to 32 players Smashdown, which uh after each battle all the selected fighters are removed so there's some strategy with stopping like your friends getting a character they're really good with sort of a bit of a battle royale flavor on that that seems really cool there's the classic mode returns, and there's a new mysterious mode that we're going to talk about with the Smash Brothers predictions. Now, is anyone worried about Sakurai? No, why should I be? <laughs> he looks stressed. He looks like he hasn't shoveled. slept in a decade. Like, he needs to go to on like a resort trip for the next five years and make no more games. He's done enough. Okay, braver than a US Marine is Sakurai. <laughs> I thought he, that was just he, what people looked like. <laughs> Yeah, he he looks like he's had enough of all of us, and he can't wait for his eternal pain to end. Well, he's yeah. killed Mario, he's killed Luigi, he's killed Mega Man. He's clearly in a dark place, and I love it. I'm all here for the game that's going to come out of this. <laughs> yeah, they canonically killed Luigi. That was that was something amazing. Uh, and yeah, and he's even talked about doing another Smash after this one if the demand is there, which of course it is. Don't lock yourself into these ridiculous type of contracts, please. So with that, let's uh, move on to what we've been playing this this week. Okay, Andrew, you've been playing uh, Titan Quest, I believe. How are you finding that one? Yeah, Titan Quest is a console port of a PC game that's very reliant on using the mouse. And I thought this was actually a much older game than it is. It's only about 10 years old. I thought it was a 20-year-old PC game. It's 
very reminiscent of Diablo 2. I think it's a kind of impossible not to talk about Diablo 2 when you're talking about this game because it came out in kind of that really rough period where Diablo 3's development period was very protracted and people were wondering, where's Diablo 3 at? We don't even have any news. And so there was all these games like Torchlight were coming out, kind of filling in that gap. And this was one of those games. So obviously in a Diablo 2 style game pointing at things with the mouse cursor is kind of how you interact with everything and when you're playing on a console all you've got is a joystick and you know you can go back to the NES era and they tried to do point and click games with the game pads they don't work well so thankfully with this one you just kind of have a, a sticky targeting system that will intelligently target things around you based upon your proximity and what action you're doing it's not perfect you can target specific enemies, but you can only do it while you're holding still and by holding down an action button and everything is running at you and hitting you in the head. So it doesn't work very well in that regard because it's very dangerous and it's also very difficult to actually target specific things in large groups doing that. I think there's a missed opportunity here to use the gamepad a little better because, you know, we've got twin stick targeting shooting. We've had it since the arcades in the 80s. And for some reason, the right joystick in this game is not used to move that targeting cursor around. It's used to zoom the camera in and out, which is... I really have not found a single place where that's useful, because this is not a game that's very interesting to look at, so I haven't really found anything that I really want to zoom in on and look at. So that's disappointing, but it is functional, and uh, I would have... And in fact, I have said in the past that like a game like Diablo 2 or Path of Exile would not be playable on a console, but this game has converted me. Uh, it's not ideal. I think if you're a Titan Quest fan, this game would probably outrage you. <laughs> but if you're a person like me who doesn't like playing PC games and would just rather play them on the console, even if it's a obviously inferior experience, it's, it's fine. It's a perfectly functional game you know, maybe wait for it to be on sale the only reason i got it was because i got a great price on it uh but that the 40 dollars price tag i think would be a bit much for me but if you're a big fan of titan quest you know maybe not this might be a nice opportunity for you to play through it again especially since it has a very interesting class system where at the start you pick like a basic class i started off with a hunter and then later on when you get to a higher level you can pick a second class and those two classes will synergize together and create another class entirely. I think there's over 40 classes total that you can end up at. I ended up being a brigand because I started off as a hunter. Then I later picked a rogue because I thought those two like damage dealers in both agility based that would synergize together really well. That has been the result. I've been really happy with my character so far. Uh, but Titan Quest, it's good, uh, but really all it's done is prepared me for like a port of Diablo 2 or Diablo 3, which Blizzard has hinted in the past week they are working on a Diablo 3 port finally, or even a port of Path of Exile, which is on Xbox One. I'm ready for those games now. That's really what Titan Quest has resulted in for me. Yeah, I'm going to hold out for Diablo 3 on Switch. I'm certain it's coming. It has to be. I've been playing the Dragon Ball Fighters or Fighters Z, however you want to pronounce it, the beta that's been happening over the past couple of days. Um, and it sure is a great port of the fighting game that I didn't really like on PS4. Uh, it runs really well. I was expecting some sort of performance drop from the, the PS4 version. I can't tell the difference, so that's a great compliment. Uh, it's really slick, really well animated. It's still flashy as, as anything I've ever seen. And I still really suck at it. It's a, a team-based fighter, so it's a bit like Marvel Capcom 3. I just cannot get on with this where I... I have clicked with the likes of Marvel vs. Capcom. I've I've clicked with other similar team games. I just 
cannot get this for the life of me and I don't know why. I think a large part of it is the auto combos. So basically you can tap one button. If you land the first attack, you will just keep on lashing away at the, the, the opposition character. I feel like that makes me lazy and it doesn't make me want to learn the intricacies of the game. And yeah, I just prefer that slower thing where I can see where when I lose why I lost rather than this where it's just overly flashy and I don't know what the hell happened. Um, now everyone talks about this game as being like one of the most accessible fighters ever made and I, I can see why because the inputs are really simple. If you can do a dragon uh, so if you can do a fireball on street fighter you can do every move that's in this game you can do a lot of combos with this one button however that doesn't make it accessible on its own because at the second you come across anyone that is remotely more skilled than you even a little bit as soon as it says fight it's you're gonna get bombarded with an unstoppable force of just constant attacks that you just don't know how to break free of is it over nine thousand? <laughs> probably that that's the reference i know that's from this but <laughs> I, it had to be burned it had to it had to happen and that's the other point like i am not a dragon ball fan in the slightest so i never bothered with the story mode that was in the ps4 version i'm just never gonna get anything from it nothing about the art style which i love this artist i, I love his work in other things like chrono trigger but nothing about this game makes me want to watch the anime so if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Fighters on other platforms, <laughs> you're gonna love this port. If you're not, then nothing's gonna change your mind in the Switch version. I I've, I almost forgot it's also got the worst menu slash lobby system ever. So oh. instead of uh, just having a menu where you can go ranked match or play a match, you have a little chibi fellow that you walk around an arena and talk to NPCs to instigate the various modes. In its defense, there is a shortcut system. You can pull one of the triggers and it will bring up a teleportation thing to get to that. But this is just like the video game equivalent of using five or six words when one would do the job. That sounds like the lobby system in Splatoon 2, and I, I love that system. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It works better in Splatoon 2. Because Splatoon 2 has Miiverse, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't play Splatoon 2 for the multiplayer. I play it for the Squidward memes. That's right. <laughs> you disgust me. The memes are a good point. And this doesn't have the memes, which is annoying. Uh, so yeah, so that's it. If if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Fighters you, on other platforms, you're going to find a good port here and you're probably going to enjoy it. But it's just not for me. I don't know why. I just can't get the hang of it. So I'm going to pass. Uh, Ginny, you've been playing Okami. Yeah, third time's the charm. Bought it three times. Um, gonna clock it three times. It's just, I know the game is not perfect before anyone jumps on me. I, I am fully aware of the repetitive nature of the game as you reach the end. And also once the whole Zodiac animal Shinto Buddhism story kind of wears, the novelty wears off. It's not the most difficult of narratives to untangle, but it's just so beautiful. Um, for me, I, it's one of the games I remember playing when it first came out, and it was just, it looked so different from any game I'd ever seen before that it really kind of caught me and stuck with me to the point whereby I bought the chibi spin-off Okami Den on the 3DS to <laughs> to play as well, um, despite it being almost identical story, just with a smaller sized main character. And yeah, I mean, it's got it it does front load a lot of stuff. There's about an hour long tutorial at the start of the game, which I understand is where a lot of people stop playing because they haven't got any autonomy until after the, that tutorial is really properly over. But, you know, I think if you can stick it out, you're going to be well rewarded. It is, it is a great story. You play a great doggo. 
um, aka the sun god in Shinto Buddhism, and your job is to bring light back to a demon-cursed world. So it's all very wholesome, all very uplifting, and you kind of work with humanity and people that are, I guess, your worshippers to to bring about an, a new day. So it's beautiful. Um, if you care all about art history, it is the ukiyo-e style of Japanese art, and in particular, the Seshu Toyo school of black and white brush painting. So if you're an art buff, you might recognize some of the very beautiful landscapes and styles of traditional Japanese calligraphy that are used in the game. So yeah, I'm digging it. Um, the main difference between, I guess, this and the other the other version that I played most recently, the PC, the motion controls work great. I thought, I mean, they should do because it, they worked fine on the Wii. Um, but they, they work very well here as well. I know that some people like Andrew hate using the touchscreen because they don't want to damage it. Um, if you're not that way, then the touchscreen is also a great way to, to play the game and to, to paint with your celestial brush, so to speak. So um, I've got no complaints. Obviously, this is the Okami, the HD version, so everything is beautiful or much more beautiful than the PlayStation version was originally. And I think it's aged well. Like I said, it is a little bit repetitive. The story can be a little bit eh, after about hour 35 or so. But it's great value for money on the eStore currently, so I highly recommend it. And I think Andy and Andrew were both at some point going to make some time to maybe play in the future. Uh, yeah, I bought it and I'm going to pretend that I have time to play it <laughs> at some stage. Second time I've bought it, actually. So Story of my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially, especially the Switch life. Mm. Uh, now, another game Andrew has been playing has been uh, Dead Cells. Now, in your own words, Andrew... Can you please tell us about In this my one? own words, huh? Okay, let me just pull up IGN.com here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, all right, stop me if any of this sounds familiar. Okay, so Dead Cells takes place in a procedurally generated environment. You run into it and you fight monsters, and when you kill the monsters, they drop a premium currency, and you can spend that premium currency on upgrades, except if you die, then you lose all of your premium currency, and you go back to the beginning of the game, and you have to explore the procedurally generated environment again, reclaim your premium currency again, and you just keep doing that over and over and over until eventually you get enough currency and enough upgrades to make it to the end of the game and kill the final boss. Does any of that sound familiar? Why this sounds like a roguelike? Yes. Yeah, it, it did. Is this Enter the Gungeon or, <laughs> or... <laughs> <laughs> Dead Cells is not a new idea? It's Dark Souls with Proc Gen put on top of it. But these games are really popular for a reason, and especially Dead Cells. Uh, it, it's a Metroid-style adventure game. So even though it's all procedurally generated, which is actually a pretty remarkable feat. So when you're First starting out in the game, you'll often find interactables in the hallways that you can't actually interact with until you get to a boss much later on. And then if you're playing like Binding of Isaac, you'll eventually unlock new areas. But when you go to those areas, they just kind of come up as part of the random number generator. In Dead Cells, you actually choose to go to those areas by exploring these new regions you can access using the upgrades you get from the bosses. So that's a pretty cool twist on it. It gives you a lot more autonomy in the game. And the dodge mechanic, it just feels so good. <laughs> just going through, guys. Uh, every time a monster is going to attack you, there'll be a little exclamation point above their head and you can use it to dodge through their attack or if you have a shield you can block it. Uh, it it's not a new idea but it's one of the better executed ones that i've seen and the enthusiasm for it is entirely justified yeah it looks beautiful mm -hmm. like i've been watching some videos of it um and 
yeah, it looks stunning. Like it's almost hard to believe that it's uh, pixel art in some cases. Well, how it works is it actually was they made the character models are actually polygonal. They're three dimensional. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if, if you're looking at it, you can really see it. Uh, they obviously downsized them and they pixelated them. But you can actually, if you're really looking, especially when they're moving back and forth, you can see that they are three-dimensional models, but the environments themselves are two-dimensional sprite art. So it's a very interesting thing. It's actually not unlike what Octopath Traveler does. It's just, it's not actually a 3D environment. So the effect is a lot harder to see. Nice. I, I did buy this as well as part of my let's buy two games and pretend I've got time to play them. <laughs> uh, I I understand that it's actually a good one to play in short blasts here and there, so maybe I could give that one a look sooner rather than later. Okay, so the uh, other game I've been playing is a demo for Valkyria Chronicles 4. I am a big fan of this series, but I have shamefully never actually finished one. I've come close to finishing the first one uh, twice, actually. I've never just made that final push. I think I've just got distracted by other games at the time. Mm. Uh, if you're not sure on what this is, it's, it's a turn-based strategy game set in like a JRPG fantasy version of World War II. The war that it takes place in is called the Second European War. If that's going <laughs> to give you some sort of indication of how they mask the the, the real oh, stuff that man. it's based on. Yeah. The visual style focuses a lot on rural Europe. So think of like, Arnhem from real world World War Two scenarios or other games, uh, but it's all done with this really wonderful like watercolor art style. It's just it's just so beautiful to look at, and it keeps the same art style from the very first game. Uh, so how it works is there's no grids. Uh, you have free movement based on how many action points your character has. So every time you walk or move, they deplete. Uh, and how many times you can move during your your phase is based on combat points. Uh, these are given to you based on how far you're in on the game, based on the level, how many heroes you put in. So there are hero characters that can give you an extra move. And yeah, and basically you, you position your characters around the world. You use cover. You can use long grass to hide in. It's It's a really smart tactical game. Before every move, you get like a an aerial view of the... Uh, of the map in like a an old world war ii tactical map style and then you select the unit from there that you want to use using this you can make pretty well informed choices about how to move through the area however if you can't see an enemy they will not appear on the map so you have to be careful not to get sideswiped by a tank or or something like that and uh some cases they'll give you a general idea of where the enemy is like you know there's a a base over here but they don't show you the individual movements like they do when you can see them and then tied in with this is like your typical jrpg leveling system skills equipment uh it's done with classes as well so you've got your standard like infantry you've got lancers who are your anti-tank personnel you have a tank as well in, in most of the most of the maps uh and yeah i i played this it just reminded me of how much i loved the the series as a whole, I, I I can't wait for this now. You don't have to have played the previous ones to understand it. There's not a story continuation. It's just another story set in this fictional, not fictional war. And the good news is your demo progress carries over into the full game. So I'm not going to have to play this opening again or go through these tutorials again. So yay. Uh, yeah, so yeah, really good. Runs really well on Switch. Looks great. And can't wait to play more of it. Okay, and the final game we're going to talk about today is Overcooked 2. Andrew, you were a huge fan of the original, and I believe you've been playing the sequel. 
Yeah, the sequel just came out same day as Dead Cells 2, yeah. actually. It was a pretty big release day Ooh. for indie titles. Uh, Overcooked 1 came out last summer, I think actually about this time last summer. And I think it had been a Steam release before that. And it did okay on Steam, but it did really well on Switch. It was constantly at the top of the bestseller list. Uh, so it was no surprise that the sequel didn't exactly launch exclusively for the Switch. I think it came out on Steam today, too, as well. But it was it gave every impression that this game was developed with the Switch in mind. And you can really tell because Overcooked 1 didn't play very well. Uh, it was a little buggy. The characters didn't feel like they moved all that well. And it crashed a couple times while I was playing it. Uh, but Overcooked 2, in terms of performance and just the way it looks is a much better put together product. Uh, but other than that, it's it's the same game that I played last year, which is not a criticism. It's just that was an amazing multiplayer cooperative game where you have to work together with your friends. Hopefully in couch co-op, there is an online mode, but without voice chat, I can't imagine you getting past the first couple levels because... You are working as chefs in a kitchen trying to fulfill orders that come across the top of the screen, and you have to do everything. You have to take ingredients out of these giant boxes, and you have to prepare them, and you have to cook them, and get pretty complicated just doing that. But then the levels will do things like, just as an example, one level I played with my friend uh, began on a, a giant balloon and it was very straightforward. It was a very small level and we didn't really have to work together. We could just focus on fulfilling our own orders. And I was a little concerned at how easy it was. Then we flew into a hurricane and it was very hard to see for a little <laughs> while. And then the hurricane knocked our blimp out of the sky. All the while, we are still cooking and fulfilling orders while this is happening. <laughs> we crashed down in the middle of a sushi restaurant. And now in addition to the orders that we were already fulfilling, we now have to start preparing sushi for this whoa, new restaurant that whoa. we landed in. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very early level. There are ones that come later on that are even more complicated. And my friend and I, we had to coordinate very well in order to get through many of the later levels. We... He had to leave before we could finish the game, unfortunately. We're hoping to finish it in the next couple of weeks when he can come over again. But like I said, it has an online mode. That's the big addition in this one, but I haven't had a chance to play it. There is like an emote, like little radial menu like a lot of games have now where you can like say what you're going to do, but there's really no way to direct somebody to do something. There's really no way to explain to your party, if you're like a leader type person, what the best way to do the map is so I, I can only imagine that mode would devolve into chaos but it's there if you have some friends to play with and you have an alternate option like discord you know th that's nice that's that that's there because uh overcooked one even though Janie and i both ranked it as one of the best multiplayer games last year in the game of the year episode we did it back in december it was local co-op only which was a big mark against it for me. But that option is now there. And if you have friends to play it with, I'm sure it's a good one. But I, I could not imagine that doing this with strangers would be a fun time. Cool. Mm. Ready? Go!
now it's time for our Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Predictions. So we're going to tie this in with that mysterious mode. Uh, let's start with you, Andrew. What was your prediction? Well, I noticed that uh, Rathalos, is that his name? Yeah, yep. Rathalos, yeah. Yeah, Rathalos was introduced as explicitly as a boss character, which we haven't seen bosses since Brawl. They were left out of four, but with the subspace emperor mode in Super Smash Brothers Brawl and Wii, there were explicit boss fights against specific enemies, and I kind of see them developing on from that, where each character is going to have a level, kind of like the adventure mode levels in Melee, but expanded out much larger, and when you get to the very end of the level, then you fight like their franchise boss there, where even if you have like Mario, he's not going to fight just Bowser, because you can already <laughs> do that in versus mode, but like there'll be like a new Bowser boss fight at the end, like against a special Giga Bowser or something, and what made me think of that is like, <laughs> Rathalos was introduced as a boss fight, uh, but they didn't really elaborate on how that would fit in with the rest of the game, so surely it must fit in with this mystery mode. And they also said that uh, Dracula from the Castlevania map, that the conditions for making him appear would be very special. So I think it's going to be like a mode like that, and I think that there might even be a lot of the character unlocks involved in doing that. Like, they've said that... Unlike in Smash 4, where most of the characters were unlocked from the start, in this one they want to make it a little more special for unlocking characters. So I think before you can use, like, Simon or Richter in versus mode, you've got to finish their adventure mode scenario first. So I think that's what it is. Cool. Wow. That was, uh, yeah, that's a good one and pretty in-depth. And you're right, I didn't think about that with the Rathalos. They did say boss boss character. In addition to an assist trophy. Yeah. So mine is, I've just got two words here, worlds collide. <laughs> I think this is going to be some sort of story mode. So as we saw with Mario Tennis, they seem to be more willing now to put some sort of story into a single player campaign. I think there's going to be something like that. Like, a, you know, overworld map, you go to the next dot, you get a challenge and then eventually you get a boss. So it could tie a little right, bit into right. to Andrew's prediction. And I think they'll use all kinds of weird and and wacky like <laughs> dimension crossing stuff to explain why these characters end up in the world together. And you are literally play. describing Subspace Emperor from Brawl. <laughs> I have not played Brawl, leave me alone. No. Okay, it's that that's coming back, all right? That's my prediction. <laughs> all right. Well, I had a a not safe for work one involving Kirby which I won't talk about on this podcast. Yes, please don't. <laughs> but it wasn't um... safe for our private chat either. <laughs> But I was thinking, you know, the you know, the the graphics were kind of green. It looked very earthy. Um, and another game, <laughs> Nintendo crossover game, which I guess is the theme. Are you theme stealing now. my idea? No, another another game, which is you know, I guess green and a huge bad crossovers was Mario and Rabbids. So I think that the special mode is going to be a mode where the characters fight the rabbited version of themselves. Ugh. Come on, Ugh. what? It could it could totally happen. This is your worst one. I, I was fine with I was one. fine with them in Mario plus Rabbids because it worked there. But if the Rabbids are in Smash Brothers, oh, it'll be funny. Come on, I'm sure. Look, it's not as bad as it seems, and I th I would actually quite like to see what Rabbit Bayonetta would be like. <sighs> so, <laughs> yeah, because Rabbit, I'm, I'm a little I'm a, I'm a little bit more on board because Rabbit Peach yeah, wasn't I... obnoxious <laughs> enough. <laughs> So yeah, there you go. There'll be like a, a rabbit's face-off, a rabbit's fighting mode. I did something about rabbits. I, I feel like the green earthy theme is kind of leading me in that direction. 
So it's bad enough that the rabbits are going to be in Starlink. They better not be in Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, what are we playing in the coming week? Um, Okami again. <laughs> I might also play the Valkyria Chronicles demo and see if I like it, because I've only finished one, not play any of the rest, so I, I do kind of want to give it a go, because it is the most like the first one, so maybe I will love this too. But this time-dependent, I've got a pack schedule, so we'll see. There's a 16-bit like inspired RPG coming out called cosmic star heroine and when i say inspired oh yeah, yeah, yeah when i say inspired i mean like squaresoft should sue because the character models look like they're stolen straight out of final fantasy 6 <laughs> <laughs> but uh it looks interesting uh i'm actually not going to play it i just want to mention that it's coming out because if i were to play <laughs> right. a game next week that would be the one i would do but I i'm i'm gonna take the next week to catch up on games sure cool and for me, I'm just going to keep plugging away at Octopath. I've nearly done all the chapters too. Yay. Uh, and still going away at that. And I'm still going to be playing the free-to-play stuff periodically. So Paladins every day and Fortnite whenever I fancy it. Maybe a bit of Dead Souls if I can fit that in. Let's see how we go. Okay, that's it for episode 43. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed enjoyed it please leave us a review on itunes it'll really help us get noticed you can also listen and subscribe on stitcher TuneIn, and other podcast services be sure to join our discord server to interact with the lively switch focus community links are in the show notes you can follow us on twitter youtube facebook and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates news and other content if you'd like to support the show you can do so by buying us a coffee the details are on our website thanks in advance uh now just before we go into where people can follow us on twitter individually i just have something to plug uh, if you're Australian based, I just made my print debut in an Australian mag called Hyper. It's a Ooh. Nintendo special, so it's something that's very, very close to my heart. I have two pieces in there. Please check that out if you're in Australia. Hyper! Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yes, yeah, so following us on Twitter, you can follow me at Flame Roast Toast. You can follow Andrew at Play Critically. You can also watch him stream most of the games that he plays for the show at twitch.tv forward slash play critically and Ginny is at Ginny Woes
so, Ginny, uh, was Akami the only thing you've played? Yeah, it's the only thing I've played. <laughs> I've been playing World of Warcraft. Ginny. Look, it's it's for review purposes, okay? I don't have a choice. Ginny, I don't have a choice. Don't make me call an intervention on you. <laughs> I don't have a choice. GameSpot's paying me really well. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just copy and paste your review from the last expansion? <laughs> Well, you would think that, except there's twice as much genocide now, so I've got to innovate oh, in some oh, respects. Okay. <laughs> or, or, just, or just copy it from Boomstick Gaming. Oh, well. <laughs> Rip. Burn? Oh, Question Burn. mark? 